All in the name. You want to turn in your Bible this morning to the book of Joshua, chapter 24. Brother Gary, Miss Paula, sure it's good to see you guys home. Y'all see we've been saving your seat right there. So when God decides he's finished with you at that work, whatever he sent y'all off there to do, I'm praying he close that door and send you on back home. Just so you know, y'all don't mind if I pray that, do you? Miss you guys. I know God uses his pawns as he will, but sometimes he just sends them off a little bit and lets them come on back home. So it's good to see you guys. Miss Marilyn, going to miss you. I know you're moving off, and, and I, I know he's built a house for you. I mean, that's, I'm going to call that deception to build a house for you just to get you to move off up there. But i uh, be praying for you, certainly praying for Miss Gail and all down here. Lord, I'm going to pray for us, actually. This morning, Joshua chapter 24, we're going to look at choices. Choices are extremely important in life. Life's full of choices. Ironically enough, I, I believe it was the first Sunday back after that 12-week tenure of COVID. I think it was the first Sunday back that I preached on choices. And it wasn't from this passage, but this passage was certainly part of it as we looked at it and um a couple of weeks ago we were talking about storms and trials and some different things and all the things that God has brought us through and and walked us through and I made the statement that life is one bad choice away from a disaster life is one bad choice away from being a disaster let's just look at the text this morning Joshua chapter 24 if you want to turn there with me we're just going to read a couple of passages beginning in verse number 13. It says, I have given you a land for which you did not labor, cities which you built not. You dwell in them. Of the vineyards and olive yards which you planted not, do you eat. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth. Put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood in Egypt. Serve ye the Lord. If it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you'll serve. Whether the gods your fathers served are on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. The people answered and said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. I want to look this morning at life is all about choices. God, thank you so much for being so good. I thank you, God, that we have a choice. God, I thank you that the choice is a free gift, the gift of salvation. I thank, we, thank you that we have the choice to follow you, God, that you give us the freedom. And, Lord, you reward us for doing things that we should be doing in the first place. God, I pray with you that your Holy Spirit will continue to move in here this morning. I thank you for your presence, God. I pray you'd forgive us for taking things for granted. We come into this place and fill it every Sunday. And we begin to take it for granted. But there's a lot of people going through a cold, damp, going through the motion this morning, God. Lord, if your presence doesn't show up, we're sounding brass and tinkling cymbals. I have nothing to say. We have nothing to sing and nothing to do unless it's through you and about you, God. I pray you take this word now, Father. I ask you, Lord, would you... Anoint me for this time, God. Would you speak to these, your people? Would you help each one of us to walk out of this place a better servant? Will you teach us, God? Guide us and direct us. Your word says, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. Give us wisdom, God, to make good choices. We love you, we thank you, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. can be seated. You know, a bad choice can be devastating. But when it comes to eternal life, when it comes to 
salvation, one bad choice can be an eternal damnation. The truth is, our bad choices affect other people. The, the things that we do, the bad choices that we make affects everybody around us. At least certainly can. It can affect friends. It can affect family. It can affect an entire church. It can affect, affect an entire group of people. That's the case with Adam and Eve. They were really given only one choice, one commandment. Everything is yours. Everything you see, every fruit, everything of the ground, everything that flourishes is all yours. One little piece right here, you can't have this one. Leave this one alone. Everything else is yours, it's fine. All they had to do was make a choice, but God gave them a choice. God said of man that I want to give them the ability to choose. God created man in his own likeness and in his own image. That means he had the ability to make a choice. He was a free will being. If God wanted robots, he would have made robots. If God wanted hand puppets, he would have made hand puppets. But God, basically through his word, what he tells us is God wanted a family. But what he wanted is a family that chooses him. So you and I have a choice. Everything we do in life is a choice. The choice for Adam and Eve was simple. It's really no different than the choice that we face today. Do I listen to the things of God or do I listen to the things of the devil? I mean, when it boils down to it, that's the only two choices we make. Every decision is based on, is it following God or is it following the world? It's either for God or it's against God. There's no other confusion in the choice. There's no other confusion in the situation. It boils down to one simple choice. It's either God or it's not. I'm either following God or I'm disobeying God. That's the only two choices. Adam and Eve made the wrong choice. Because of one bad choice, all of mankind has suffered ever since. Because of one bad choice, we deal with, with the battles of sin. We deal with the battles of cancer, of sickness, of, of heart disease. We deal with all of the problems that we face. We deal with the thorns of the earth because of the curse. And the curse came because of one bad choice. Deuteronomy chapter 30, Moses talking to the children of Israel. He says, make a choice. In that I command thee this day, in verse number 16, to love the Lord thy God, to walk in his ways, and to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgment, that thou mayest live and multiply. And the Lord thy God shall bless thee in the land whether thou goest to possess it. But if thine heart turn away, so thou wilt not hear, but shalt be drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I denounce unto you this day that ye shall surely perish, and ye shall not prolong your days upon the land, whither thou passest over Jordan to go to possess it. Verse number 19, Moses said, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life, that both thou and thy seed may live. Here in our text, Joshua is 110 years old. He's at the end of his life. He's basically given his farewell speech. He's called together all the tribes of Israel to this place called Shechem. Shechem is a very important place in the history of the Hebrew nation, the place of the Jewish people. It is the place where Abraham first went when he left Ur, the land of the Chaldees. It is the, the place uh, there in the valley of Shechem where God promised Abraham that he would have a son. And from that son that, 
that there would be a multitude, that a nation would rise up, and that he would be the father of nations. And he promised that, that from that son, that his descendants would be as the stars of the heaven and as the sands of the seashore, innumerable. It is there at Shechem where, where Abraham built an altar unto the Lord. There, there at Shechem is the place where Jacob purchased his parcel of land. The valley of Shechem is the burial grounds for Jacob and Isaac, Leah and Rebekah. It's the place where the bones of Joseph was brought out of the land of Egypt and buried there in the valley. It's where the law of God was read to all the children as they stood up and read before them. It is a, a valley. It lies between Mount Ebal to the north, Mount Gerizim to the south. Joshua calls the 12 tribes of Israel together, six tribes on one side, six tribes on the other side. And he stands up there and he begins to speak to the people. The wars have ended. The land has been conquered. He said, or in whose land ye dwell... They've all been run out. The, the property now, the land now belongs to the children of Israel because of what God has done. He looks at a time of peace. And in this time of peace, he sees a time of trouble. Many people are turning to idolatry. Many people are turning to things like materialism and simply world pleasures. The same thing is true today that was true back then. Times of peace can be a very dangerous time. Times of plenty can be a very dangerous time. Times of living on the mountain and living the life and having all that can be a very dangerous time. Wars keep us close to God. Trials keep us on our knees. Storms keep us in the presence of God, praying and seeking God's will. But in a time of peace, in a time of prosperity, we become complacent. Y'all ain't got to get quiet in here. It's Faith Baptist Church. We're just family. It's just the Word of God. In times of peace, when everything is good, prayer diminishes. In times when, when money is good and the bills are paid and there's no real problem, reading God's Word every morning diminishes. Talking to other people about God diminishes. Seeking God's will diminishes. I'm just saying that, that times of plenty, times of good in the life of even the child of God are very dangerous times because we start forgetting what God has done. And prayer doesn't seem quite as urgent. Seeking God doesn't seem quite as important because everything's going good, right? Joshua, Joshua reminds them of all that God's done for them. He reminds them of all the great victories of battle and how he's brought them through with a strong hand and an outstretched arm and how God drove out the inhabitants of the land before them and how God has established them there in this place. He tells them how he... How, remember how God has brought us through every storm and how he's walked with us through every valley and how he carried us through the promised land and how he gave us manna on the ground to eat and how he gave us water from the rock at Horeb, even in the desert. How God clothed us and fed us and protected us and cared for us and how God has done everything. He's reminding them of how good God is and he's called them together in the valley to challenge them to make a choice. God has brought you to here. 
God has done all of this. There's no more wars. He's driven out the enemy. Here you stand in the place. You own the land. You live in houses you didn't build. You dwell in cities you didn't build. You eat from fruit trees you didn't plant. You're drinking from wells you didn't drink from. But now make a choice who you're going to serve. Now that times are good, now that you don't have a reason to be driven to your knees, who are you going to serve? The people should have been grateful, amen? I mean, you look at all that God's done for them. They should have been grateful at how God brought them through and all that he's given them and, and how he's taking care of everything before them. And, and, and now you've got people turning to idolatry. You've got people worshiping little wooden nothings, carved out of nothing, little stone nothings, making up gods, things out of the stars, gods of this, gods of that. They're turning to materialism. They're trusting money more than they're trusting God. They're holding on to the ways of the world. They should have been thankful, right? The United States of America ought to be the most grateful, most God-fearing, God-honoring, God-praising, God-loving, God-adoring, God-worshipping country that has ever lived on the face of this earth because God has, has tremendously blessed us above measure, True. But we become a nation that's more concerned with sports. We become a nation that's more concerned with comfort. We become a nation that's more concerned with the pleasures of life. We're more concerned with materialism and make sure that we have everything that we want. More concerned with things like lust and greed and even hate. More concerned with the things of the world than we are the things of God. Joshua calls God's people together. Here in the Old Testament, he calls God's people together. It is the Jewish people. It is the Hebrew nation. It is the descendants of Abraham. God's people today is the church, the bride of Christ, the born again, the redeemed of the Lamb of God. So God's people have been called together, and he says, make a choice, but make it now. Not tomorrow. Not, not next week. Don't put it on the back burner on your get-around-to-do list. Joshua says, make a choice, but make it now. Here's what he says. If you're going to serve the devil, make your choice. If you're going to serve the gods of this world, make your choice. If you want to serve the gods of peer pressure, make your choice. If you want to serve the god of popularity, make your choice. You want to serve the God of sports or, or shopping or hobbies or, or things that the world has to offer? Make your choice. You want to serve money? Make your choice. You want to serve materialism? Make your choice. You want to serve your job? Make your choice. But make it now. But, he says, if you're going to serve the one true and the living God, then put away the things of the world. Put away deceitfulness. Put away lying. Put away wavering with your surroundings. You know, act in one way with one group of people, in another way in another group of people, pretending to be somebody in church that you're really not Monday through Friday out in the world. James said in chapter 1, verse 6, Let him ask in faith nothing wavering. He that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. Let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. 
A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. If you're going to choose God, the Apostle Paul said in Ephesians 4.31, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you. God said, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. God said, I'm a very jealous God. God said, I made you, I designed you, I built you, and here's what I'm telling you for a fact. I only made enough room on the throne of your heart for one God, and it's either me or the world. If it's going to be me, be me make it me. But God said, I will not share the throne of your heart with anything else. Everybody must make a choice who you're going to serve. Many people, many people waver today. They waver in their life. They waver in their actions. They waver in their Christianity. Christianity varies depending on who's around. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Oh, their Christianity solid on Sunday morning. But it ain't much on Friday night. Jesus warned the hypocrite. People who pretend to be one thing but live something else. Joshua says, make your choice. Now, here's what Joshua said. He said, I've made mine. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Now you make yours. Who are you going to serve? Not on Sunday morning, but who are you going to serve? 24-7, 365, who has the throne of your heart? If Jesus were to come back right now and reveal what is the number one priority in our lives, what would it be? Oh, don't raise your hand. It's not an oh me moment, but just think for a minute. What is the most important thing in your life right now? If Jesus were to come back in and reveal what matters the most, would it be serving God, living for Christ, trying to please God in everything we do every single day, or would it be something else? What is most important? Because what we love is always evidenced in what we do. What we love in our heart is always evidenced by what we serve. What we love is always evidenced by what we put first. Bottom line, we live in America. We do what we want to do, right? Right? We do what we want to do. We, we don't have a government yet telling us what we can and can't do. I don't know. I guess they can. They shut us up in our houses for a few weeks over something I think they created. Anyway, I'm sorry. We, we do what we want to do. So what we do is what matters most. Fair? Is that a fair choice? If we have a choice and we can decide, then obviously whatever we do is the thing that we wanted to do the most. It's what mattered the most to us. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all tell the story about a rich young ruler. He came to Jesus and he said, Good master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus gave him the law. He told him the things of the law about loving people and things there. He says, Lord, I've done all that stuff since my youth. See, he thought he was doing good. But what Jesus could see is there was something in his life, something in his heart that was more important than God. He said, I've kept the law. I've been a good little boy. I've, I've been a good young man growing up. Jesus said, fine. Here's what you do. Go and sell all that you have. And give it to the poor. You'll have eternal life. Mark says that he was sad at that saying. And he went away grieved. For he had great possessions. Here's the man's problem. 
The great possessions is not his problem. Wealth is not his problem. Money is not his problem. Being extremely rich, Lord, wouldn't that be nice? Being extremely rich is not a sin, nor is it the problem. The problem is that he loved being rich more than he loved God. The money was not the problem. The, the Bible, the Word of God, does not tell us that money is evil. It says the love of money is the root of all evil. This young man had a love for money greater than the love for God. And Jesus knew that. So Jesus put it to the test. You kept the law, do this, and you'll have it. And the young man says, I can't do that. I, I believe this with all of my heart. I believe that that young man said, really? That, that's all there is to it? I just sell my stuff and give the money to the poor, and I'll have eternal life? And Jesus said, that's it. And he says, bet, done. And he put it all for sale. I believe with all of my heart, one of two things happens. Either he does like he did with Abraham and the ram in the thicket, and he says, stop, don't do that. I see now that you trust me. And I believe God would let him keep all his possessions, and he would have had eternal life. Or I believe God would have let him go through with it, and I believe that just like Job, that, that God would have given him double of everything that he ever had. Had he chosen God over the stuff, he would have had God and the stuff. But because he chose the stuff over God, he died and went to hell and had neither. C.S. Lewis said, aim at heaven and you'll get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you'll get neither. The problem's not what he had. The problem's what he loved. The, the problem was what he chose to give the throne of his heart to. It, it's easy to give in to materialism. It's easy in today's world to give in to peer pressure. It's not so easy to stand firm in the face of adversity. Having done all to stand, stand. Professor Dumbledore says we must all make a choice between what is right and what is easy. That's pretty profound. Do you need to let that settle for a minute? We must all make a choice between what is right and what is easy. Depact your process. No matter what the situation, remind yourself. Y'all listening? No matter what the situation, remind yourself, I have a choice. In every situation, remind yourself, I have a choice. Is this pleasing to God and make a good choice? Eleanor Roosevelt said, I am who I am today because of the choices I made yesterday. Gene Nadek says, it's choice, not chance, that determines your destiny. Life is all about choices, but so is eternity. Jeremiah said in chapter 21, Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I set before you the way of life and the way of death. <clears throat> there is only one way out of the way of death, and his name is Jesus Christ. Scientists will tell you, invent your way out. Educators will tell you, study your way out. The economists, they'll tell you to buy your way out. World, they'll tell you to work your way out. Philosophers, they'll tell you to think your way out. But Jesus said, I'm the only way out. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. 
I am the only way to forgiveness of sins. I am the only way to peace. I am the only way to the Father. I am the only way to eternal life. You must come by me, but you must make your choice now. Can I plug one in right here? Indecision is a choice. Indecision is a choice. Not to choose is to choose not to. Does that make sense to anybody? William Jennings Bryan said, Destiny is no matter of chance. It's a matter of choice. Roger Crawford says, We're a product of the choices we make, not the circumstances that we face. Zig Ziglar said, Every choice you make has an end result. And Alexandra Bracken says, It is our choices that matter in the end. Twice in the book of Proverbs, 14.12 and 16.25, the Bible says, There is a way that seemeth right unto a man. But the end thereof are the ways of death. There is a way that seems right to man. But the end result are the ways of death. People say, well, just do what you think is right. People want to say there's different ways to heaven. There's different ways to God. No, there's not. The word of God is the authority. There's one. It's Jesus Christ, period. People go, well, just, just do what's right. Just, just give it all you have. The Bible says in Proverbs 21, 2, that every way of a man is right in his own eyes. But the Lord pondereth the hearts. The Bible warns against a man doing what is right in his own eyes, even if he's given it everything he's got. You know, in the 1960s, there was a great football player by the name of Jim Marshall. He was a defensive end for the Minnesota Vikings. Just a couple of stats. He played 282 consecutive football games, third most in NFL history. 131 recorded sacks, 22nd most in NFL history. A finalist for the NFL Hall of Fame in 2004. An incredible football player, but that's not what he's famous for. October 25, 1964, the Minnesota Vikings were playing the San Francisco 49ers in San Francisco. San Francisco's deep in their own territory. Throw a little out pass to a tight end who's making a run, fumbles the ball, and Jim Marshall picks it up. Dead into a wind sprint, runs 66 yards. The crowd in San Francisco's cheering. The place is going nuts. He runs into the end zone. Throws the ball into the air, hits the ground, and rolls out of bounds. Here's the problem. He ran 66 yards in the wrong direction. He gave it all he had. It was right in his eyes at the time. But if you know when the ball hits and rolls out of bounds in the end zone, that's an automatic safety. Two points for the 49ers, and they get the ball back. He did what was right in his own eyes. He did what seemed right at the time. But so is the folly of man. What's right in our eyes doesn't matter. What's right in that book is all that matters. People say, but I give so much to others. I do so many good things. I give charity. I give this much money into charity. Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. If we could give our way in, buy our way in, put our way in, we'd stand before God and say, God, you ought to thank me for all that I did for you. If we could buy our way in, we would look at others and think, well, we did more than them. We're better than them. But the truth is, Jesus says, I'm the only way in. People say, I'm a good person. 
I, I treat other people with kindness. I, I do right. All in all, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a good person, man. I don't, I don't do anything bad. I don't steal. I've never, I've never gone out and done all that worldly kind of stuff. I'm a good person. That's what the Word of God says. The Word of God says that there's none good, no, not one. Matter of fact, the Word of God says that there's only one good and that that is God. The fact is, you and I can't live a Christian life. Did, that, did anybody hear that? We cannot live a Christian life on our own. If we could live a Christian life, then Christ died in vain. The cross was for nothing. Calvary's for nothing. The empty tomb means nothing if we could live it. The only way we can live a Christian life is with the Holy Spirit living in us and Jesus Christ living through us. Not only do we choose between life and death, the Bible tells us that we must choose between two masters. Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, Jesus said, No man can serve two masters. He'll either hate the one and love the other, or else he'll hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Just like the rich young ruler. If your mammon, if your money is more important to you than God, then money is on the, on the throne of your heart. He says you can't serve both. All throughout the Word of God, life is all about choices. Life or death. Good or evil, God or materialism. The Bible even says that we have to choose between two fathers. Jesus said it, John chapter 8, verse 42, If God were your father, you would love me. For I proceed forth and came from God, neither came of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Even because you cannot hear my word. Ye are of your father, the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. So there's only two choices. If God's not your father, the devil is. I didn't say that. That's what, that's what Jesus said. You, you either have, you, there's, one, there's, only, there's two spiritual fathers that, that, you can, that you can serve. It's either God or it's the devil. So, so life is all about choices. Our first choice is, will I accept Christ? Most important choice we're ever going to make because that's what determines our eternity. Life or death. Eternal life, eternal death. Separation from God. So, so that's our most important but if we have truly trusted Christ, am I willing to live for Christ? Everybody wants peace, right? I mean, everybody wants joy, happiness, contentment. Y'all with that? I'm not by myself on that, am I? I mean, it'd just be nice not have any stress, right? Just everything's all peace. C.S. Lewis said, God cannot give us happiness and peace apart from himself because it's not there. There's no such thing. So if we've never been saved, and, and I have no idea who's in here or who's on live stream, I do know this, there's only one way to choose life. If you've never been saved, then, then are you willing to choose Christ? But for those of us that have been saved, for, for those of us that, that are Christians, are we willing to choose every single day of our life to live our life pleasing to God? To surrender our will to his will, that whatever he wants us to do, that's what we're willing to do. Joshua said, make a choice. Moses said, make a choice. Even the apostle Paul said, make a choice. Jesus himself said, make a choice. A little further down, Matthew chapter 7, still in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said, enter ye in at the straight gate. <coughs> Wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. 
Philippians 4, 8, Paul said, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace <clears throat> shall be with you. John Gill said, meditate on them. Revolve them in your minds. Seriously consider them and reason with yourselves about them in order to put them into practice. Whatsoever is honest, whatsoever is just, whatsoever is pure, whatsoever is lovely, meditate on them. Whatsoever is of good report, revolve them in your mind. Seriously consider if there be any virtue, reason within yourselves to put them into practice. That is a choice. In every decision, in every situation, in every trial, in every circumstance of life, will we put God first? That's what Joshua is challenging God's people Who's first in your life? Who matters most to you in your life? What matters most in your life? You know, I don't know. It seems like any time something comes up here, I seem like I get myself in a lot of trouble. But, but I, I think this is going to be okay. And if it's not, well, my wife will let me know about it when we get home. <coughs> This is just the truth. I got saved before we got married, and she's the reason I got saved. And y'all know the testimony. She made me go to church. She kept, she kept putting on, putting on, went to church, get saved, and, hey, just to go to church. And I'm not going to share that story now. <laughs> but we, um, matter of fact, Tuesday was our anniversary. We've been married 36 years. We've been together for 42 years, June 6th. We've been dating for 42 years. She was, oh, I almost said how old you were then, but they can do math. She was still taking a bottle. And I, <laughs> I say, I, I, get, I get, I so innocently get in so much trouble. But every man can understand what I'm saying. She's, she's my world. She's everything. We, just, we, we always had each other. That's, that's what we had. When God started calling me more into the ministry and working with the Lighthouse children, where they, God, God started showing me something. It was a hard pill. And, and my wife will shake her head as she agrees. It causes some trouble in our marriage. But you know what my problem was? I had my priorities wrong. Oh, I was saved, and I sat right behind where Gary's at, right back there on your spot, right back there. I, I, I was saved, and I loved the Lord, and we were doing things serving God. But here's the truth. She was first in my life. And I'm just telling you, it won't work. Young people, it won't work. God has to be the center bond, and God has to be first. And if a man draws closer to God, and a woman draws closer to God, and God's the center bond, then you're automatically drawing closer to God, and you're a threefold cord, which is not easily broken. So we had a lot of the cords in place, but I had the wrong one. I had my wife on the throne. I'm just telling y'all that was priority. And it was hard to move her off that spot and give that spot to God. And, and it caused problems. But I'm telling you that you cannot have anything in your life before God. 
She has to be the most important thing to me on this planet and sitting right beside us, my daughter. Our grandbaby got to come home this week. <laughs> so, so right down the road is the other most important things to me and my dad and my sisters and my family. This is the most important things to me on this planet, but it cannot be the most important thing in my life. My house can't be, the cars can't be, the land can't be, positions can't be, money can't be. God must be first. And all Joshua did was he called together God's people, which today is the church, and he said, make your choice. We're in a time of peace. God has delivered us the land. What are you going to choose? I'm just curious. I should bow your heads just for a minute. I don't, I don't know. I never know who's watching on live stream. I don't know who's out there. But I wonder if there's anybody that's never trusted Christ, their personal Lord and Savior. Make your choice. Jesus said, I came from heaven to earth because the Father sent me, and I came for one reason, that's to pay your sin debt that you can't pay. I paid it all in full. The debt's paid in full. You owe nothing if you accept my payoff. I'm offering to pay off your debt. But if you don't take the gift, then you will die in your debt, which you cannot pay, and that is separation from God. But if you take the gift, I'm going to apply credit to your account, and you have no more sin. You become a child of the living God because you trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, and you accepted the gift that God gave you. Jesus says, I am the only way. There is none other name under heaven given among men whereby ye must be saved. It is the name of Jesus Christ. But I wonder how many of us today need to make a choice to serve God. I wonder how many of us today need to make a choice. So you know what? I got saved a long time ago, but I've not really done anything with it. Or I don't know. Maybe God's dealing with you. Maybe God's looking to get you to serve. Maybe God's calling you into ministry. Maybe you're supposed to sing in the choir. I mean, sometimes it's simple stuff. But we make it very complicated. We think about what people are going to think. Let me ask you something. What matters most, what somebody thinks or what God thinks? So every decision we make needs to be made on that principle. What does God think? What does God want me to do right here and then do the will of God? But every single time that comes up, it is a choice. Joshua said, choose ye this day whom you will serve. He said, that's for me and my house. We're going to serve the Lord. You're not going to affect me. But you need to make a choice for you, for your family, for your home, for those around you. Will you live a life that they can see Christ in you? It's a choice. You know, <clears throat> when it comes to salvation, Jesus said in Revelation chapter 3, He said, I stand at the door and knock. He said, if any man open the door, I'll come in and sup with him and he with me. God will not force salvation on you. He said, I'm standing at the door. I have a free gift. I'm going to give it to you. You open the door and I'll come in and I'll bring you the free gift of salvation. It's a choice. But even after he comes in, even after we open him, give him the throne of our heart, now we've got to make another choice. Will I surrender everything to God? Salvation is not a lip service. It's a heart service. We surrender our lives. I'm going to ask everybody if you would, if you'd stand. Altar's open. You got somebody you need to pray for, come pray for them. You got somebody that's sick you need to pray for, come pray for them. You got somebody that their family's hurting, their marriage is in trouble, come pray for them. If you need to come pray for yourself, come pray for them. You need to come say, God, help me make better choices. 
come pray. And you say, God, if, you, if any man lack wisdom, I lack wisdom. I am asking you to give me wisdom. The altar's open. Just come pray. Go ahead, guys.